Welcome back to another episode of Showbiz Unscripted. The latest news, and we're going to start with some unfortunate news. We're going to start with recent passings, and Irene Cara was one of those. And this one bothered me quite a bit because she's one of those people that I always thought of as eternally youthful. I first saw her in Fame, the film version, and of course she sang the title song from that movie. And she also sang What a Feeling from Flashdance. I hadn't seen much of her in recent years, but it did surprise me when they announced that she had passed away. I haven't seen Fang yet, but I have heard that song, and she was obviously a very good singer. And I do eventually want to see Fang, so hopefully I can. And Kirstie Alley was another performer who just passed away very young, and... For me, she'll always be Lieutenant Savick. I first saw her in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. She originated that role. She embodied that role. She was able to bring a new character into an existing franchise with a cast that was already established and make it work. So I think she actually gave a lot of, she created a lot of possibilities for the future of Star Trek when she did mm -hmm. that. And, you know, I, I was very surprised again when she passed away. She was an extremely good actor. I had only really seen her in Star Trek, but hopefully eventually I can see some of the other things that she did. I liked her very much in the North and South miniseries as well. Clarence Gilliard Jr., of course, was in Matlock and Walker, Texas Ranger. Now, I never really watched those shows. I might have caught an episode here or there. And I always remember when I saw him, I really enjoyed him. I've always enjoyed his performances. What I liked him, what I remember him most for is the original Top Gun where he played Sundown. Yes, I thought actually Sundown was pretty funny, and clearly he's a good actor, so. Pele. Now, he just passed away, and while everyone knows him as a tremendous soccer player, and that's how I know him as well, I really never got to see him play in a soccer game because that wasn't something that was televised when I was a kid because soccer wasn't a big deal here when I was a kid. I did see highlights of him on the wide world of sports, and he was amazing. And I also remember him from a 1981 film called Victory, which also starred Sylvester Stallone and Michael Caine, where they played allied POWs who were in a soccer match against the Germans. And I remember that film, and I remember liking him in that film. So while he didn't do a lot of acting, he did a little bit. It was mainly his soccer skills that were shown off in that film. And he also choreographed a lot of the soccer scenes in the film. Now, I really haven't seen him in anything. I did know about him, of course, and he was obviously a very good soccer player. I've seen a lot of, now especially, I've seen a lot of like little parts and pieces of what he's done in soccer matches, and he was very, very talented. And while all these passings bothered me, the next one was particularly upsetting because I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. Christine McVie passed away recently, and while I love everyone in the band, I kind of always felt like she was the driving creative force in the mm -hmm. band. A lot of the hits were her songs. I always liked her voice. I love Stevie Nicks as well, but I always, I always kind of gravitated to her, and I was very surprised when she passed away. You have introduced me to Fleetwood Mac extremely recently, and I love their music, especially her songs, even if she wasn't singing in them a lot. If she wrote them, I definitely liked her a lot. And seeing that she passed away kind of upset me a lot. Yeah, she definitely had an ear for a hook. You know, she, she really knew how to write a song. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit more about her later because we actually watched one of the best 
of the Fleetwood Mac concerts recently yes. uh, on on streaming, and I, I know you enjoyed it. I love that particular concert. Trailers, lots of trailers recently for films that'll be coming up in 2023 and series. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, we've been waiting for this for quite a while to see the trailer for this. I'm really hoping that they that they th- this is going to be the last chapter with Harrison Ford. Certainly, he has said that. Lucasfilm has said that they may retire the character. I think they should. I think if they move on in that universe, mm-hmm. it should be with a new character. And Indiana Jones should not be replaced necessarily. Maybe they can follow somebody else's storyline. But if they're going to close the door here, I hope they do it well. I thought that the trailer looked okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I did think the de-aging technology looked great. Mm-hmm. I've been watching Harrison Ford since I was eight years old. And when you know they took that bag off his head and you saw him young, he looked just like he did from the original trilogy era. I thought that was great. That's the best I've seen de-aging technology in any film. And I thought there was enough action. I like some of the, th- you know, Salah is back. Mm-hmm. I like that. It looked okay. It looked like some good action sequences. Hopefully it doesn't lean too heavily on the CGI. Yeah, I'm a little bit upset that we didn't see really what this is going to be about. We saw a lot of flashbacks and we saw parts of certain things but we really didn't see what exactly the movie is going to be which i do like a good mystery for that but at the same time i'm also a little bit worried i think you i think you hit on it though because these films are sort of like a mystery yeah if they give too much away you know it's not going to work for you in the theater you don't want to see the best parts in the trailer so hopefully that's the case here right star trek picard season three I wouldn't even be tuning in for this season. I really didn't care for season one or season two of the show. There were there were bits and pieces here and there I liked. Certainly there were actors that I liked that were involved. I didn't really care for the writing. I'm going to tune in to season three, though, because they're bringing the entire Next Generation cast back. And there were some nice moments in the trailer. I felt like, you know, there was a great moment between Jonathan Frakes and Michael Dorn as mm-hmm. Riker and Worf. There was some humor. I like that Jordy LaForge is back and Crusher is back finally. And we get to see all the Next Generation cast. I thought it was interesting that LeVar Burton's daughter is playing his daughter in the film. I guess he's got mm-hmm. two. There's two LaForge daughters in the film, one of which is played by, by LeVar Burton's daughter. And uh, they found a way to bring Brent Spiner back. He's going to play Lore. And also Moriarty's coming back, which was a character that we saw in, I think, the second season of The Next Generation. And the, and the actor who uh, originated the character is going to reprise the role. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they do it right. And again, like Indiana Jones, they end this on a high note. Right. Um, the first season of Star Trek Picard, I really didn't like. It was very dark. Second season, it wasn't as dark, at least at first. And then I just, I really couldn't finish it too well. I ended up finishing it eventually, I think. But season three, I just want to watch because I want to see the Next Generation characters. The only problem I have with it is because I really don't like Star Trek Picard, I don't know how they're going to handle these characters. And I really don't want to see them get hurt or possibly die. Let's hope they... Let's hope they treat them like the next generation treated them as opposed to Picard. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the inclusion of Jerry Ryan's Seven of Nine character. I think that's great. Let's just hope that they do right by the next generation cast mm-hmm. here. Uh, let's let's hope. <laughs> 
The Mandalorian season three. I have enjoyed the Mandalorian uh, all the way through so far. I feel like it's the closest to George Lucas's origin original concept of what Star Wars was. It 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 kind of adheres to that that formula the closest. It works the best out of the Disney era um, Star Wars. And season three looks interesting. I thought it looked mm-hmm. you know they gave you just enough to make it interesting. I love Carl Weathers. I'm glad he's still you know part of this universe. And I'm hopeful that this will be as good as the first two seasons. Same here. I'm excited to see it, but at the same time, I don't want to get my hopes up because I have a feeling something bad is going to happen to one of them, and I don't know why. But mm, I'm excited to see it. I didn't have that because I, I, I don't know that this is designated as the last season, but if it is, that could be the it case. It just seems, I feel like this trailer definitely seemed more serious it than the other darker. ones. It did seem darker. I agree with that. The Barbie trailer. Now, Barbie is not a film that I'm at all interested in seeing. However, I thought the trailer was incredibly incredibly creative and very funny. But I have to wonder, who is this film aimed at? Because the trailer is a parody of 2001 A Space Odyssey, at least the opening scenes of that. I found it very funny. I showed it to you, and you had no idea what it was about. <laughs> yeah. Hearing that it was a space odyssey kind of makes sense because it did seem very like spacey and like a new earth or like new life or something like that. It just did not seem like Barbie, who is a doll in her own world, if that makes sense. I feel like eventually once you got out, once it saw the, you, once you saw the Barbie logo, I feel like then it kind of made a little bit more sense. But before that, it was just kind of all over the place for me. It's it's sort of a joke in the same way like when Deadpool was dressed as Bob Ross and painting as Bob Ross. Bob Ross has nothing to do with Deadpool. They're just having fun, which is what I think this trailer was doing. But the point is, if the Barbie movie is aimed at your generation, this trailer has no meaning or right. humor for you unless you have seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I'm guessing a lot of people in your generation haven't. So very interesting. Who is the movie aimed at? Don't know if I'm going to see the movie, but I thought the trailer was very funny. Transformers Rise of the Beasts. I loved the original Generation 1 Transformers. When they brought the franchise to film and Michael Bay started, I thought the first film was okay. After that, not so much, although I did really like Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. I thought Bumblebee captured the spirit of the 80s series. I love the music that was in it. It had a great soundtrack. I really liked that film, and I thought that would actually reboot the franchise. I wasn't a fan of the Beastmasters, the, the Transformers Beastmasters cartoon. So when this trailer came out, I, I really didn't think I would care for it at all. But I thought it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought the trailer looked amazing. And I actually have renewed interest in going to see a Transformers film at this point, And I will be there to see that film because the trailer was that good. Yeah, I really haven't seen any Transformers films except for Bumblebee, which I really didn't want to see, but we went and I actually really loved it. I've seen parts and pieces of Transformers, but we watched this trailer and I'm extremely excited about it because it actually does look pretty interesting. But also Anthony Ramos, who was in In the Heights and Hamilton, which I love both of those, is going to be in here. So I'm kind of excited for that as well. I knew that would be a hook that would get you in there. (laughs) That 90s show. Now, this isn't really one that you can speak to because you haven't watched that 70s show. But as a huge fan of that series, that 90s show looks great. I I love that Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp are back as Red and Kitty Foreman. I thought it was nice that they included the legacy characters here and there. 
as sort of a passing of the torch kind of kind of deal to the next generation. I love that Donna and Eric's daughter is named Leia because he was a huge Star Wars fan. This looks really promising. I'm very excited to see it, and I will probably subscribe to Netflix in order to binge it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm one of these people who churns when 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 you just kind of buy a month of uh, streaming service to watch everything and then you turn it off and then a few months down the road you'll you'll buy another one. This is a show that I would buy a month of Netflix to see at this point because I thought the trailer looked really good. Scream 2023. I'm really excited about this one. I think you're super excited about that '90s show, and I'm super excited about Scream 2023. I just watched Scream. The last one in 2022, or 2021, not sure. 2022. Okay. I haven't seen any of the other Scream films, so that could be why I loved this one so much and not the other ones. But I'm excited to see 2023 because I love Jenna Ortega, especially after seeing Wednesday. And I'm excited to see what they do here. The trailer looked very interesting and kind of a little bit more creepy than the last one, which I'm excited about. Very clever on their part to change the setting. We go to mm-hmm. a, metro- uh, a metro- metropolitan setting. I was going to say metropolis, as though Superman were in it. <laughs> a metropolitan setting, it's in New York City, in the subway, in the claustrophobic nature of that mm-hmm. with all the people around. The Scream films up to this point have been very sparse, right? You know, when, when, the, when the murderer attacks, it's always like... You know, in, in somebody's alone in a house. Right. That's not the case here, at least in this trailer. They're on a, in a subway car that's loaded with people. And I thought that had a great effect to it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very clever. So we'll have to see what that does. Mission Impossible 7. Now, mostly we've seen the trailers for it, but a lot of featurettes recently uh, with Tom Cruise doing these stunts, especially this motorcycle off the cliff stunt. This guy does his own stunts. It would be hard not to say he's the greatest action star Mm -hmm. at this point from film because he does these stunts himself and we are talking big scary yeah dangerous stunts that he's doing and i've been very impressed with what i've seen from mission impossible 7 thus far i love the other mission impossible films and especially tom cruise which is obviously no doubt the best part for me at least and mission impossible 7 is definitely going to be hard to beat with the mission impossible 8 and i'm extremely excited to see it and i feel like tom cruise is incredible because we saw this one video with the cliff thing and i i would not be able to do any of what he does i i just the guy the man they they refer to him as a machine like the, the guys who are training him, he's like, he, Tom Cruise is a machine. I believe it. I mean, 13,000 motocross jumps, 500 skydiving jumps in order to get ready for this one stunt. The guy is dedicated. You can't say he's not. Like him or dislike him, you can't deny that he's dedicated. All right, let's talk movies and shows that we've watched recently. I'm going to lead off with 1923. Now, I... I've been watching Yellowstone. Uh, I, I got into it late, but I caught up. I binged it, and I'm watching season five currently. I liked 1883 a lot, although I hated it. I loved it, but I hated it because it was so dark. You know, I knew where it was going. It was very foreshadowed. This one, I couldn't get through the first episode because we got to the part where the Native American girl was basically being tortured, and I just had to turn it off because it's just so dark. And then I went back and I started at that point and I watched the first episode all the way through. And then I got into the second episode and I got to a similar point in the second episode where it just got too dark 
and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. What I will say is the I think it's Spencer is the brother's name that's in Africa. He was he was in World World War One. He has what we would call now PTSD, and he went to Africa to kind of hunt animals that are terrorizing villages and what have you. His character seemed very interesting to me. I'm not saying that Harrison Ford or Helen Mirren aren't doing good work in it. It's just too dark and too depressing, and I'm just not in the mood for it. So I've kind of given up on it at this point. That's where I'm at with that. I'll let you start Wednesday out because I know you're a huge fan. Yes. I mentioned Jenna Ortega before, and she was definitely the best Wednesday for for me, at least. I really enjoyed her in this film, and I loved the twists and turns, and we actually ended up guessing who was what, and I think it's a very interesting film, and I think, or TV show, and I feel like the mystery is definitely there, and I know you like mysteries as well. I, You know, that's the thing. I was going to say, I love that the mystery genre has come back. Mm-hmm. You know, the Knives Out, Glass Onion, uh, the, the Agatha Christie films that Kenneth Branagh has produced. This one works as a mystery as well, and I thought it was very good. I really like this. It has elements... I mean, it reminded me a little bit of when we used to, when you were younger and we would watch Just Add Magic. It has some elements of that, but this is obviously more adult fare. And Tim mm-hmm. Tim Burton does a great job. The production design is incredible, and it looks great. It's strongest when she's on screen. Mm-hmm. Although I liked Enid quite a bit. Her her best well, she winds up being her best friend. I thought Enid was the strongest supporting character. Lots of good supporting performances. Gwendolyn Christie and some of the different actors. I thought it was actually at its weakest when the rest of the Adams family were there. I like Thing. Uncle Fester was okay. And it's not that I had a problem with the actors that were cast as Gomez and Morticia, but I just thought it kind of lost energy when they got on screen. I feel like the show definitely moved a lot faster without Wednesday's family. And I will say Morticia, for me, I've seen the older Wednesday, which I also loved. And Morticia was definitely one of my favorite characters. You liked the original Adams Family, the black and white show. Yes. Yes. And Morticia... Carolyn Jones, I believe, was the original Morticia. Yes. And I really liked her. And I feel like Morticia in this, it's a very good performance. But at the same time, I feel like it's just not as good. And I feel like that definitely makes the show weaker. I don't disagree. Cobra Kai season five. Now, I, I've enjoyed the whole Cobra Kai series. I think it's stronger than the Karate Kid films, personally. I think a lot of that is the William Zabka, uh, William Zabka's performance. I think the weakest part of it is Ralph Macchio. I, no, no offense to him. I just don't... When he gets on screen and he's supposed to be the hero or do the heroic thing, I just... I, I find Daniel LaRusso's character not that likable, but William Zabka's character is all the supporting characters. It's a big cast. It's gotten to be a very big cast here. And every season kind of starts out the same for me where I'm like, oh, this is kind of hokey. It's kind of goofy. They don't, they don't have anywhere to go with it. But by the end of the season, I'm hooked and I'm pulled in. But it's sort of the same formula season after season. In season five, definitely, they left an opening. They left an opening for a season six, but it kind of feels like a good place to end it at the same time because a lot of the storylines are kind of tied up at this point, and maybe they should leave it alone because I don't know if they can keep doing that or not. But it was, I enjoyed it. I can't say I didn't enjoy it. I will say that a couple like 2022 or 2021 I think I had COVID and in that week I had watched actually every single season of Cobra Kai 
And I remember enjoying it. I actually wanted to watch Cobra Kai Season 5 because people were talking about it. And I went to watch it, and for some reason, the first episode, I just couldn't get through it, and I ended up giving up. I had a hard time getting into it, but once I did, I I got carried along. You know, the villains are like super villains. I mean, this is really like G.I. Joe versus Cobra (laughs) in a lot of ways, not just in name, in some ways, because it's got that kind of like cartoony nature to it. But there are some good performances that ground it. And you know what? It's a feel-good thing. It really is. a It's a, it's a nostalgia trip. Mm-hmm. And they do it right, I think. Enola Holmes 2. We both enjoyed the first Enola Holmes film. I really like Millie Bobby Brown as that character. I love Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes. And so we watched this. I actually really loved it. I wanted to watch it with you because we had watched Enola Holmes the first one and i enjoyed it so much and this one i feel like is even better and i, I loved it. i loved the mystery i it. liked it a lot i like the style of it i like when she talks to the camera i think she's got great comedic mm-hmm. timing uh it, at moments it felt like down uh, downton abbey at other moments it felt like the musketeers but it's definitely its own thing as well i like how they create that world mm-hmm. i think they've really gotten it to a situation where actually henry cavill's Sherlock Holmes could have his own film mm-hmm. and she could guest star in that. But I I hope they make another one of these. I really, really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. Great family movie. I agree. The Glass Onion, which is the second film in the Knives Out um, series. I, I don't know why they're not calling them Benoit Blanc mysteries. This is called The Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. I think Benoit Blanc mystery makes more sense because it's the character that Daniel Craig plays that, that visits or that recurs in both films. Mm-hmm. Um, Similar to Hercule Poirot and the Agatha Christie's, right? It was okay. I mean, there was a, there's was there been so much said about it and everybody's raving about it. It was all right. Um, I, I might have liked the first one a little bit better. I think my main problem with it is Ryan Johnson. If the guy would just keep his mouth closed in interviews and stop irritating people, I might like it better. He's kind of like James Cameron for me. He's very, very full of himself. And it kind of turns me off a little bit of the product. The first third of it I didn't care for. I thought it was kind of hokey and over the top. I did get pulled in eventually, and I thought it was okay. It was, a, you know, it was decent. I wouldn't say it was on my top 10 by any means, whereas, you know, a lot of people like this one better than Knives Out. People that I respect a lot like this one better. I think I like the first one better because it was new, and this is kind of a retread in some ways. Let's move to theater for a minute, and we're going to just talk about Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera was a huge musical when I was in college, like when I was uh, late high school going into college. I've seen it several times. I saw it on Broadway a couple times. I saw it in Toronto. I saw touring productions of it. Always been a favorite of mine. And I think it was your first favorite musical. It was. I remember going to the theater to see it and I enjoyed it a lot. And it's sad. Yes, because it's going to close now after Mm -hmm. 35 years. And that's the news. Supposedly, well, originally it was going to close in February of 2023, but when they announced that they would be closing it, a lot of people ran out and bought tickets. So now they've extended the run to April of 2023, but it's been running for 35 years. And it's big news that it's not going to be on Broadway anymore at some point because it's always been there, it seems like. In your lifetime, it's always been there, and for Mm -hmm. most of mine as well. Yeah, it's very upsetting that they're actually like, getting rid of it i don't think it'll be gone that long they'll they'll remount it at some point but phantom of the opera if you if you want to see it on broadway try to get tickets because it's been extended and if you keep buying tickets i'll bet they'll keep extending it 
Well, let's talk music. We watched Fleetwood Mac's concert, The Dance, from 1997. This was a reunion concert in many ways. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham had been making a solo album, and he asked Mick Fleetwood to come in and play the drums. And then sort of organically, the band got back together. And this concert, for me, was incredible. Every time I watch it, I find something new to marvel at, not the least of which is Lindsey Buckingham's mm-hmm. skill, his the dexterity of his hands to play the guitar. I'm used to uh, electric guitar being played with a pick, mm-hmm. right? And he uses every... F- Every his the I can't I don't even know what to say. It's amazing to watch this man play the Mm -hmm. guitar. I think the guitar, the piano, and the drums are definitely the hardest instruments, at least for me to watch, because you do two different things with your hands, and then you also sing. Right, I don't know how they do it. I'm in awe of them. So I I actually really loved all of these people and. They all sing very well. All of the singers sing very well. Christine McVie, Stevie Nicks, and Lindsey Buckingham all sing. They're Agreed. great singers. And there's some different interpretations of some of their more famous songs here. And they stand on equal footing with me with the originals. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they did some different things here. You know, he does some acoustic interpretations of songs that were famous of his. They all come forward at one point and play limited instrumentation for another song and he plays the banjo for it and, and, and Mick Fleetwood's got just um, the brushes and a couple of drums. Mm-hmm. And it's there the songs the interpretation of the songs in that way are just as good as the original interpretations. If you haven't seen the dance, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's the best of the Fleetwood Mac concerts that I've seen on, I guess, DVD or streaming or whatever you want to say. I think they're a phenomenal band. And, you know, with Christine McVie's passing, at least we have these Mm -hmm. concerts to watch. I agree. And in our throwback section today, I'm going to talk about Alias Smith & Jones, which is a Glenn Larson production. Glenn Larson's a big part of my youth. Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, The Fall Guy, Magnum P.I., I could go on and on. You know, he was called Glenn Larceny because they felt like he stole ideas. I think what he did is he saw ideas that worked in film and he brought them mm-hmm. to the small screen. And Alias Smith and Jones is sort of a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid retelling. In fact, Ben Murphy, who plays one of the lead characters, was Paul Newman's uh, stand-in for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And he's here with Pete Duell and later Roger Davis, and they play Kid Curry and Hannibal Hayes. And it's a different kind of Western. It was an early 70s version, and it's something that I didn't see as a kid, but I've gone back now and I've watched it, and I find it, I just love it. I love the chemistry between the leads. I love the storytelling. I love the writing. And you could see hints at what would eventually make its way into other shows of Glenn Larson's that I love later. Definitely the relationship between the two lead characters you see later in Battlestar Galactica with Apollo and Starbuck in many ways. If you haven't seen Alias Smith and Jones, you don't have to like a, a, the Western genre to enjoy it because the performances and the stories have more meaning uh, than just, they go beyond, it's, it's a great Western, but it goes beyond that as well. So that would be the show that I would talk about, that I would recommend at this point as a throwback, Alias Smith and Jones. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. I'll see you guys soon. All right, you take care and we'll be back soon.